Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So I haven't heard the excuse from liberals about why it was good that Joe Biden went to Ukraine on a surprise visit and gave them half a half a billion dollars while ignoring the residents of East Palestine. They want to talk about how they 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 want universal health care. They want benefits and social programs for the American people. But then when Joe Biden is basically provoking World War Three with Russia, they just defend that and act like the East Palestine thing isn't happening. I mean, let's just put it this way. Where's Greta Thunberg? I mean, I know she's not American, but where are the leftists to be outraged and demand immediate action? Now, now I know, I know, don't get me wrong. I know out there, there are many leftists who are saying, look, I'm posting all day about it that I get. Where's Joe Biden? Where's the pressure campaign from the high profile personalities? Why are liberal personalities completely ignoring the scandal? Yeah. Well, the big news is, is Joe Biden is prioritizing Ukraine over his own country. Russia has suspended the only remaining major nuclear treaty with the U.S. So, uh, yeah, I guess nuclear war, Zelensky's warning of nuclear of, of World War Three. If China allies with Russia, China is apparently converting old fighter jets into kamikaze drones. And uh, well, Russia's already warned in the past about nuclear war. So I don't know, man. I got to be honest. It's tiring. It is. As more and more of this stuff happens, you know, I just got to say, I I see my priorities shifting from commenting on news stories and cultural issues and being more concerned with whether or not we are going to have enough food and clean water if these things persist. Russia is not satisfied with what's going on, obviously, but they're not they're not facing some foreign excursion overseas in a faraway land. They're on their own border, which makes this much more personal for the people of Russia and for Vladimir Putin. And that's something the U.S. probably does not care to understand or ultimately just doesn't care about. I have to wonder when we talk about depopulation agendas and global elites, if they're just sitting back being like me, World War would be good. They, you've got these billionaires building bunkers in Montana and New Zealand. You think they really care about the nu- about nuclear war apocalypse? I mean, many of these people think there's too many humans on this planet as it is. So I have to wonder about their motivations. Right now, we are inching, inching ever closer to outright nuclear war, World War Three. And there's a lot of people with the optimism bias or the normalcy bias who say it can't happen. It won't happen. The it won't happen people, I think, I don't know. Look, it can't happen is, I, I think, sticking your head in the sand. The it won't happen people are not paying attention to the escalation that we're seeing. Now, I don't know that it won't, uh, that it will happen. It's possible it won't. I don't think anybody can, act, uh, can, can predict it, but I will just add. And the point of this segment, to wake up in the morning and see the big story being that Russia is suspending the last nuclear treaty. The doors are being opened. The gates are being opened. Okay. If you're concerned about, let's say, let's say there's rioters outside, out rampaging through the streets, and you're inside your gated community, 
and they say, you know, inside, like, hey, man, I'm really worried those riders can come here. And then you've got someone saying, no, 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 it can never happen here. They're riding somewhere else. And then you hear one day that the rioters are getting closer. And then they decide, we're going to open the gates. Just open the gates. And you're like, now hold on there a minute. We're not quite at the point where the rioters have rushed in and started smashing up our homes. But why open the gates to this? Why, why not stop, disassociate ourselves and say, stop participating? The, the point is, this right here is Russia opening the gates. They are at the gates. They are saying they are preparing for nuclear war. First, you had state propagandists say, if we lose in Ukraine, nuclear war, World War Three. And Joe Biden was like, come on, man, you know, who, who cares about East Palestine? You know, I'm going to go go to give half a billion dollars to Ukraine again, a hundred billion dollars on top. And Russia says, OK, we see your play and we will prepare as much as these liberals are coming out being like we're winning in Ukraine and Slava Ukraina and all that stuff. It's like, yeah. And every time you do that, Vladimir Putin's finger moves closer to the button. They don't care. They just don't. You think Western powers are going to nuke Russia? See, here's the thing y'all need to realize. I, I, actually, I, sh- I shouldn't even say that. I think most of you probably already get this. One guy is surrounded by 50 guys. Now, those 50 guys can all start shooting at the one guy, and the one guy can all start shooting back. And the point is, Russia, as a single entity and a large landmass, can cause, with their nuclear arsenal, massive destruction to the United States and to Europe. Destruction that will not be comparable to what would happen to Russia. Now, they may, the, the NATO and the U.S., they may wipe Russia off the, off the planet, off the map. But Russia will do the same in kind. And Russia, I think, is a country of only what, like 100 million people, maybe less. They can damage the nations to a billion people. The point is, it is not equal. Russia can cause maximum collateral damage. Is it worth it? For what? Ukraine, energy, man, it's not. The United States should be minding its own business, but it won't and it never will because there are powerful international interests who want a liberal world order or some kind of new version of a world order. And that means letting everything get destroyed in the process. I should read the news. Here's the story from The Hill. Russian President Vladimir Putin declared Tuesday that Moscow was suspending its participation in the New START Treaty. The last remaining nuclear arms control pact with the U.S., sharply upping the ante amid tensions with Washington over Ukraine. Speaking in his State of the Nation address, Putin also said that Russia should stand ready to resume nuclear weapons tests if the U.S. does so. And we have a move that would end a global ban on nuclear weapons tests in place since the Cold War times. Well, okay, we've done ICBM tests like the Minuteman 3, I think. Explaining his decision to suspend Russia's obligations under the New Start, pro, uh, under New Start, Putin accused the U.S. and its NATO allies of openly declaring the goal of Russia's defeat in Ukraine. They want to inflict a strategic defeat on us and try to get to our nuclear facilities at the same time. He said, declaring his decision to suspend Russia's participation in the treaty in this context, I have to declare today that Russia is suspending its participation in the treaty on strategic offensive arms. New Start's official name is the Treaty Between the United States of America and the Russian Federation on Measures for the Further Reduction and Limitation of Strategic Offensive Arms. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg voiced regret about Putin's move, saying, with today's decision on New Start, full arms control architecture has been dismantled. I strongly encourage Russia to reconsider its decision 
and respect existing agreements. Now, what's the purpose of this? It's, it's saber rattling. This is Vladimir Putin stating to you, to I, to the world, they are preparing the use of nuclear weapons. Because the reality is, if Putin truly felt like the end was nigh, he would just use them. Treaties be damned. But he's giving you fair warning. And he's hoping that the U.S. backs off. You don't need to get rid of any treaties. You can just be like, fire the missiles. But we have treaties, sir. Who cares? Treaty is an internal law. It's international agreement that what? We're at war already. Why abide by a treaty? Think about it this way. You make an agreement with your neighbor. Hey, we're not going to, you know, have guns in our homes. We don't want to use them against each other. And then one day your neighbor is flinging horse crap onto your lawn and not and damaging your property. You're going to be like, we have no agreements. Any agreement about not escalating the fighting is pointless because the dude's flinging horse manure at me. The U.S. is actively at war with Russia in Ukraine. So Ukraine's, uh, or I'm sorry, Russia's probably thinking there's no agreement with these people because they shouldn't be here in the first place. They shouldn't be at our doorstep involved in our border dispute. So why would I bother having any kind of agreement with them? Their word is worthless. So it's a warning. That's what they're getting ready for. Putin argued that while the U.S. has pushed for the resumption of inspections of Russian nuclear facilities under the treaty, NATO allies had helped Ukraine mount drone attacks on Russian air bases hosting nuclear capable strategic bombers. The Russian military said that it shot down the Soviet built drones that struck two bomber bases deep inside Russia in December, but acknowledged that several servicemen were killed by debris that also damaged some aircraft. Putin on Tuesday mocked NATO's statement urging Russia to allow the resumption of U.S. inspections of Russian nuclear weapons sites as some kind of theater of the absurd. The drones used for it were equipped and modernized with NATO's expert assistance, Putin said, and now they want to inspect our defense facilities. In the conditions of today's confrontation, it sounds like sheer nonsense. He said that a week ago, he signed an order to deploy new land-based strategic missiles and asked, are they also going to poke their noses there? The Russian leader also noted that NATO's statement on New START raises the issue of the nuclear weapons of Britain and France that are part of the alliance's nuclear capability, but aren't included in the U.S.-Russian pact. They, also, they are also aimed against us. They are aimed against Russia, he said. Before we return to discussing the treaty, we need to understand what are the aspirations of NATO members, Britain and France, and how we take it into account their strategic arsenals that are part of the alliance's combined strike potential. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Putin emphasized that Russia is suspending its involvement in New START and not entirely withdrawing from the pact yet. The New START treaty signed in 2010 by U.S. President Barack Obama and Russian President Dmitry Medvedev limits each country to no more than 1,550 deployed nuclear warheads and 700 deployed missiles and bombers. The agreement envisages sweeping on-site inspections to verify compliance. Just days before the treaty was due to expire in February 2021, 
Russia and the U.S. agreed to extend it for another five years. And then uh, and then, of course, you know, we had what a year later, the war broke out. Russia and the U.S. have suspended mutual inspections under New Start since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. But Moscow last fall refused to allow their resumption, raising uncertainty about the pact's future. Blah, blah, blah. You get the point on all this stuff. I don't think we need to get into the the nitty gritty of whether or not we're going to inspect each other's nuclear bombs. The question is, are they going to use them? The New York Post reported January 19th, 2023, Russia threatens nuclear war if it loses in Ukraine. Okay, well, there you go. A Kremlin insider warned Thursday that Russia could start a nuclear war if it lost its conventional war in Ukraine. Dmitry Medvedev, deputy head of Russia's Security Council, and a close ally of President Vladimir Putin, made the threat in a post on the Telegram messaging app. Quote, the loss by a nuclear power in a conventional war can provoke the outbreak of a nuclear war. Medvedev wrote in a post criticizing Western powers ahead of a Friday meeting in Germany to discuss further military support for Ukraine. Dozens of Ukraine's allies are set to meet Friday at the Ramstein Air Base in Germany to discuss the next round of military aid to Ukraine, ahead of an expected increase in fighting in the spring. Yep, when things start warming up, and they already are, we're going to see maximum conflict. And then I wonder how much more Russia is willing to withstand on its own border before it moves to nuclear artillery. That's what I think first, nuclear artillery. Small yield, but large, powerful bombs to start peppering and wiping out military outposts, known positions, buildings of strategic importance. Maybe there's an old parking garage. They'll blow it up. And when that happens, how will the West respond? I doubt the West would immediately respond with nuclear weapons. This move would be an act of desperation by Vladimir Putin. Not complete failure, but we have been pushed to the point where we would now rely, they would probably say. If this happens, the U.S. may try to make some justified statement about the expansion of war or a full-on Western declaration of war against Russia. And what does China do? Does China just sit back? Well, we saw this story the other day. Zelensky warns of World War III if China allies with Russia. Perhaps, perhaps. I believe what is more likely to happen is something more uh, akin to what we saw in World War II. China will take the opportunity to align with Russia, supplies uh, being exchanged and resources to, to strengthen their military powers on both ends. But China will be more concerned with taking Taiwan and other territories in, the, in Southeast Asia. They'll, they'll likely not be engaging in combat in Ukraine or in Europe. It will be a split theater, Europe and the Pacific, not too dissimilar to World War II. And then what happens? Does this trigger all of the alliances of several other nations? Do we then find ourselves in World War III? I've been increasingly finding it more difficult to wake up and tell you what we have been talking about for several years. It seems the stories just drone on and on and on with one more sand being added to the heap. I suppose keeping up with the news is the most important thing, which is why it's probably important that you, you do watch videos like this. And I do keep reading the news and sharing them. But as the news reaches this level of escalation, as the, the conflict reaches this level of escalation, I find myself wanting to prioritize other things. Animals, getting, uh, you know, getting our HQ set up in West Virginia, becoming self-sufficient more, more self-sufficient than we already are. And we're not the most. It's not like we're a farmer or anything. 
But as I see things like this, the question is, what's the most important thing to be doing right now? Whinging on the internet? Mm. Maybe not so much. Maybe it's a means to an end for us. It's something people find valuable and are willing to support. So we'll keep doing it. I suppose the important issue is that if we can keep informing people about the real threats that are approaching the United States, maybe we can divert it. But at the same time, a larger portion of my mental focus is thinking of things like, do we have weapons to defend ourselves in the event of some kind of collapse? Do we ha- how, long, how much food do we have? Where do we go? Do we stay here? If war breaks out, we are relatively close to Washington, D.C. The largest capable bombs, the largest bombs that, these, that Russia has and other nations, would not reach us, but it would wipe out most of the farmland in the surrounding areas. So then what? Panic would erupt. Bridges would be collapsed or too dangerous to use. Food supplies would have trouble getting in. Do we move further inland? Are our investments in this area a bad idea? It's kind of funny. The reason we chose to set up in this area near Harper's Ferry is that it's far enough away, but close enough. You know, I was looking at Montana. No, no joke. Doing uh, uh, getting. But, you know, Montana is I got to be honest. It's just it's all rich people. Unfortunately, I don't know if you'll watch Yellowstone, but you'll probably get it if you do. It's fiction, but it's kind of based off this idea that Montana is a resort location to get away from everything for these rich people who are building houses and homesteads in, the, in this area because they're planning for something. Maybe just vacations, but maybe getting away from hot urban centers. We looked at Maine. <coughs> excuse me. I looked at upstate New York, decided on West Virginia because it's MAGA country. Good opportunity, good people. And uh, depending on where you are, it can be about an hour, hour and a half drive to D.C. to the major airport. So not so bad. If you get if we set up in New York City, no matter where you are in New York City, you're basically an hour away from the airport anyway, even if you're only a few miles out. We're a bit more than a few miles, but it's still about an hour drive because it's country road. And that was the point of, of getting away from the cities because of the urban crises we saw with Black Lives Matter in the summer of love. But now we're being faced with the prospect of nuclear war. That being said, I think D.C. is probably one of the safer places. I don't think it's the safest. We've got what Raven Rock and Mount Weather nearby. Those are the safe places. But I also think that D.C.'s probably got surface to air missile sites. And um, I bet it's got nuclear uh, anti-nuclear capabilities, anti-ICBM capabilities. If there's one place you want to fortify and protect, it's probably the D.C. area. Now, probably, though, what they're more relying on is deep underground bunkers, like I mentioned, Mount Weather and Raven Rock. And they've been doing massive expansion on these facilities. If you're not familiar, these are the emergency bunkers for the seats of government. You've got one for Congress and one for the executive branch. And there's probably much, much more we don't know about. Recently, the U.S. has a lot of more money to expand these facilities. And it makes you wonder. At a time when Joe Biden surprises Ukraine with a visit and $500 million Add more to the big old heap of the 100 billion we've been dumping into Ukraine. Meanwhile, abandoning the American people. Do you think the U.S. government cares if Vladimir Putin drops a bomb on your small town? I think the answer is no. I think the U.S. is looking at it like this. We have to maintain the petrodollar. We have to control the energy economy of the world. And if we lose that, it won't matter if we have a country because we don't make anything. This has been the liberal world order. The U.S. has imposed environmental restrictions. Why aren't we working in Alaska? Restrictions. Playgrounds for the wealthy elites. 
Then they raised taxes, forcing companies to go to China. That was all on purpose. Now that China makes all our goods, if we were to go to war, we're doomed. And maybe that was all on purpose. Creating business relationships that make it so that neither side can go to war. I've heard the argument before, more trade means less war, and it is true. But it doesn't guarantee no war. It just simply means that when war happens, it will be substantially more devastating. Thucydides' trap is a real thing, that when a rising economic power is on the, on the, at the point of displacing the dominant power, there is a tendency for war to break out. And we're there with China. China now waving its finger at the U.S. saying, you have no power. They've expanded to the point where they're not scared. And if we go to war with them, they cut off our supplies and we don't make anything here. So we're trying to. We've got chip manufacturing plants, silicon chips, computer chips. We're trying to get that back, but it's probably too late. It was a stupid idea. You want to maintain U.S. power and dominance? You certainly don't give away your ability to sustain yourself because now we are nothing more than a hollow shell. Russia knows it. China knows it. And it seems like we are inching towards World War Three. I hope not. I hope this is just blathering in, in the media. But there is an actual war on the border of Russia in the Donbass region in Ukraine. The U.S. and European countries decided to get involved in a, in a territorial dispute between Russia and a border country that isn't part of NATO, that isn't an ally. Why is Joe Biden flying to Ukraine and ignoring the people of East Palestine? This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Because he doesn't work for you. He works for somebody else. He doesn't care if you don't have water. He doesn't care if you're suffering. This is going to lead to war. And you know what? If they don't care about your water, what makes you think they care if a bomb falls on your house? I doubt they do. What they more care about is making sure the infrastructure of their war machine persists. And East Palestine does not factor in. Now, maybe... You vote them out. But they don't seem to care all that much about that, probably because of ballot harvesting. We're headed for, a, for dark times, and I got to be honest, we're in them. I hope things work out for the best. But chance favors the prepared. So sit back, watch it all happen, or start getting ready for something bad. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So I'm seeing this go back and forth a little bit. People complain that Kevin McCarthy is not releasing the January 6th footage, but then he does by giving it to Tucker Carlson. And that's not good enough because Tucker's, Tucker Carlson's a partisan actor and he's not just dumping the footage out. What the people want is for Kevin McCarthy to release the 10,000 plus, I think it's like 16,000 hours of footage from January 6th to let the public go through it. This decentralized investigative network can then figure out what's really going on. Well, of course, the left is particularly perturbed about this, angry that the most powerful member of the House is handing over January 6th footage to, to Tucker Carlson. Now, I don't think it's all that bad. I think mostly good. And we are starting to see some of this footage come out. 
I don't exactly know if this video from DC Drano is one of the videos that was given to Tucker Carlson, but it shows something interesting. It shows what appears to be a man who is likely some kind of law enforcement or nefarious actor wearing an earpiece, pulling people into the building against their will, and a woman saying, no, you pulled us in. Interesting. Well, here's the tweet from DC Drano. Nothing to see here. Just a guy wearing an earpiece, physically forcing people inside the Capitol on January 6th, and a woman calling him out on it. I'm sure he wasn't a federal agent of any kind. This is why they don't want more video footage released. Well, let me play this video for you, and we'll see what's going on. Here you can see right here. This guy's pulling people in. Stop, stop. No, no. You pushed us in. You were pushing us in. And here's the guy now seen on the ground from a different angle, wearing an earpiece. The man said she pushed her. The man she said pushed her in was wearing an earpiece. And then Matt Gates said it. Most people believe it. And the only pe- people who are pretending otherwise are those who are going to gain politically from claiming that January 6th was nothing but an insurrection. Or it was exactly an insurrection. Shouldn't say nothing, but they want to hype it up to an extreme degree. Well, you have many others who are trying to be honest, asking the questions about how did this happen? Why did it happen? Who let it happen, if anyone? Why is it that the barricades were pulled down, but on one side, the doors were opened by the police? Well, of course, we're now getting the footage released to Carlson. This is from Axios exclusive. McCarthy gives Tucker Carlson access to trove of January 6 riot tapes. House Speaker McCarthy has given Fox News host Tucker Carlson exclusive access to 40. Oh, I was wrong. 41,000 hours of Capitol surveillance footage from the January 6 riot. McCarthy sources tell me Carlson TV producers were on Capitol Hill last week to begin digging through the trove, which includes multiple camera angles from all over the Capitol grounds. Excerpts will begin airing in the coming weeks. Carlson has repeatedly questioned official accounts on January 6th, downplaying the insurrection as vandalism. And I want want to pause there and just say, okay, good start. What about the rest of us? I want to see this footage given out to the public the same as most other people. I'm not going to sit here and complain. And it's a good thing that at least Tucker's people have it. But I want everyone to get access to it. I want everyone to be able to see what really happened on that day. I mean, don't we own it? Isn't it? Isn't it public record? Carlson told me there was never any legitimate reason for this footage to remain secret. Fair point. Tucker, why don't you do a large data dump on this footage so people can start going through it? And then you, of course, can pull your selects and have your team go through it same as anybody else, amplifying the bigger stories you find. If there ever was a question that's in the public interest to know, it's what actually happened on January 6th. By definition, this video will reveal it. It's impossible for me to understand why any honest person would be bothered by that. They say, reality check, the January 6th committee played numerous excerpts of the footage at last year's captivating hearings. Excuse me? Reality check? I just, I gotta be honest, guys. It's hard for me to look at these stories and keep just going through the same thing every day. We know they're corrupt and we know they're lying. And the challenge is, what benefit is there from me just saying the same thing? They didn't play 41,000 hours of footage. 
They are purposefully withholding information from January 6th. And that's why people are mad. But you know that. I know that. They know that. Everybody knows. Yet here we are playing this game again. I suppose the best thing we can do is try and figure out a way to send this information to younger generations so that when they come, uh, come into the voting block, when they're old enough to vote, they don't sit there believing the lies that they're being fed. But it's all about culture, building culture, changing things. That's the way it has to be done. Because these young people are receiving information from cultural institutions, from TV, from video games to YouTube, etc., that hold political messages and assert things to be true. And try as we might with these podcasts and these shows to shed a light on the truth. It's not necessarily going to crack through these institutions and reach the younger generation unless we have a cultural impact. And here's where we are. So everybody's a little bit mad. But the woke left, oh, they're so mad. The new republic, oh, why are they so mad about this? Look, anybody getting any access to information is a good thing. Uh, in this regard, I mean, about January 6th. The select committee obviously was diehard left and gave us their view. And now we'll get Tucker's view. Will it be perfect? No, they should release it all to the public. But at least now we're getting partisan left, partisan right, right? Nope, they're mad. And I'll tell you why they're mad. They're mad because they want this weaponized. Why is the most powerful member of the House handing over January 6th footage to Tucker Carlson? Kevin McCarthy's decision shows how little he cares about Fox News' longstanding gag on its own viewers. They mention 41,000 hours being sent to Tucker Carlson. Oh, no, but the leftist publication is not having it. McCarthy's treat to the extremist TV host comes as part of the numerous concessions McCarthy made to a select group of far-right Republicans in exchange for their speakership votes. He pledged to make all the security footage from January 6th public, which apparently means tying it all up in a bow for Carlson to exclusively and selectively present on his shows to construct conspiracy theories with. Oh, is that, is that somehow different from what the uh, January 6th select committee did? Shout out to everyone's fame, uh, favorite, Jamie Raskin, who represents some of the employees here at Timcast and is only like a half an hour away from my office, who took a clip of me reading a Fox News article and layered it next to people calling for a red wedding to imply I was actively calling for people to go down on January 6th. Fortunately, I was able to write an op-ed for Newsweek calling this out and slamming this guy for being a despicable evil man. And you know, maybe karma's, well, I'll leave it there. Karma, maybe it exists. I'll leave it that way. I think that dude is outright evil. I think he lies, cheats, and steals, and he knows it. Don't drag me in to your crackpot conspiracy theory garbage. Anyway, I'll tell you what I'm really frustrated with and what I'm really mad about. These stories don't progress. The stories are the same old, same old, and it feels like we are trapped in a maelstrom. And I don't feel the progress. I wouldn't call it blackpilling. Certainly things are changing and things are happening. But it just feels like I look online. I see the same stories that I've seen for the past 10 years. I see the same lies, the same manipulations. And I have to wonder, are we making progress? This is the big challenge I see with, with, with all of the work that we do. Because sometimes it feels like we are trapped in a spiral, continually just moving downward. Things tend to degrade, but have, have they gotten better? In many ways, they have, certainly. But in many ways, it feels more like the system is, is, is breaking down. 
And what I see, hard times making strong men. The end result of all of this, I mean, who cares about, oh, they gave it to Tucker. Yeah, well, they gave it to the January 6th committee. We get the tribal left outrage. That's not too dissimilar from the right wing outrage. But to be fair, the right deserved their opportunity to analyze and assess the footage the same as the left did, but only the left was able to do it. Now the left is freaking out because the right's doing it. So here's what I see. I see cultural decay. I see even among people that I would consider allies, a thirst for escalation. And I don't mean accelerationism. I don't mean political conflict. I mean something more, something more that can't be given without extreme hyperbole in the grift. I've been talking about it for the past few weeks. Is it really that big of a deal that Tucker Carlson got this? No. So why is the New Republic angry? Well, for one, they're tribal partisans on the left, but also they need to feign outrage. And we've only seen it, it, it escalate, continually getting crazier and crazier. I want to show you uh, this clip from Jimmy Dore, which kind of breaks down something that most of us have known for a long time. AJ Plus, they're a lefty publication. They say, the FBI paid an informant tens of thousands of dollars to infiltrate racial justice movements during the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests in Denver. To create division, he accused activists of working with the police and set up others to be arrested. What an interesting story that is something that happens all the time and we know about. So let me ask you first, let me read from Jimmy Dore's tweet. He says, this is only shocking to viewers, MSNBC and CNN, who have fully embraced and even worshiped the FBI because they see it as a way to hate on Trump. The FBI is an enemy of democracy, always has been and always will be abolish the FBI. Now, how is it that a leftist publication can come out and say all that violence infiltrators who staged it to generate a narrative to accuse people of terror, etc., etc. And then when it comes to January 6th, when we say much the same thing, the video shows somebody with an earpiece doing something. Someone organized this. Who was it? Who is that man? Why was he not charged? What about Ray Epps? Answer the questions. And they say, you're a dangerous conspiracy theorist. And where are these leftist publications to say, fair point, maybe the goal is to intentionally divide us to make us all fight. Maybe the destruction of the U.S. is the end goal. Marjorie Taylor Greene called for a natural, uh, uh, natural, a national divorce the other day. And James Lindsay said that it was a mistake, that it would lead to the balkanization of the United States, which would then make uh, we would crumble. We would be crushed by the establishment. I mean, think about it. How many people are willing to fight for what they believe in? And this is one of the most demoralizing things I've experienced in the past several months. How many people are willing to commit crimes against the state to, in an effort to protect what they perceive as their rights? I'll tell you, it's quite a lot. It's called Antifa. These people throw firebombs. They smash windows. They cause chaos and destruction, even killing people like Aaron Danielson in Portland for what they perceive as what they're owed, their rights. On the other side, nobody, you know, and the interesting thing is it's a good thing in a certain light. And what I mean by that is, you know, nobody should be violent. Antifa should not be doing what they're doing. But what they're showing you is the very thing that got a statement I will make is that that is very similar to what got Bill Maher canceled from his show Politically Incorrect. Bill Bill Maher said the 9-11 terrorists were not cowards because sacrificing your life to do something like that, that's that's not cowardice. 
I don't know if he was right, though, to be honest, because zealotry does not. I mean, you can you can be an ignorant fool and be a zealot and commit something like that. But Antifa people are willing to destroy their own lives. Now, I hear from people on the right. They say, yeah, but it's because they have organizational power because big institutions will bail them out. Perhaps that is true. Conservatives are barely willing to send a postcard to a, to their member of Congress. Now, Donald Trump thinks changed. Trump brought in regular working class people, and they were a lot more willing to go out and do things. We saw the rise of the Proud Boys and other groups, Patriot Prayer, for instance, and they were willing to go out and protest all legally, but they were still demonized and still attacked because, simply put, the institutions in this country know that the far left will burn down your house like they're doing in Atlanta, burning down homes and flipping private citizens' vehicles, shooting at cops. They know that. It's scary. And you know what's not scary? A bunch of conservatives. They're going to march around. They're going to obey the law. And you got nothing to worry about. So when it comes to the might of the state, the state says, go for the low-hanging fruit. We can't stop the lunatics. They're zealots. And in many instances, they've infiltrated institutions in the government. So you get exactly what you'd expect. The, the system supports them. It defends them. And don't get me wrong. We know that with this, like the, with this tweet from Jimmy Dore, the FBI infiltrates protests. So let, me, let me play some of this video for you. Not, not all of it, just some of it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Play from the beginning. Hired an informant to infiltrate. The FBI hired an informant to infiltrate the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests, instigate violence, and entrap activists in crimes, according to an investigative journalist. Informant Michael Vindecker was reportedly paid at least $20,000 to spy on protesters in Denver and turn peaceful protests into violent ones. He gained the trust of protesters and eventually became a leader in the movement and accused the real leaders of working with the authorities while also setting up others to be arrested. Trevor Aronson is the host of the podcast Alphabet Boys, which covers how the FBI infiltrated racial justice protests in the summer of 2020. Aronson says the FBI used counterterrorism tactics against protesters. The FBI used informants or undercover agents to put together terrorism plots that then they could attract people to be a part of then foil them and announce to the public a terrorism plot uh, foiled. It had been. Hey, does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you? This is something the FBI does all the time. Encourage. I mean, look at the Whitmer case. So why is it? And I, I, honest question, AJ plus that you could have this guy come and say verbatim what people on the right are saying. And this is what breaks my brain. I like Jimmy Dore. I like Jimmy Dore a lot. When are people going to realize the establishment machine hates all of us. It wants us all to be good sheep, to be cogs in the machine as it sacrifices the people of East Palestine and then goes to Ukraine with $500 million. How fast did Joe Biden drop $100 billion on war in Ukraine and we could not get the pipes in Flint fixed? Now, you can argue socialism or capitalism, whatever. You can say that the pipes in Flint should have been fixed by other means. The government shouldn't be involved in this stuff. And I just say, you know what? Fine, whatever. I'm not going to argue. I'm only going to say 
Why are we spending $100 billion on Ukraine when you could take a microscopic fraction of that money and fix the pipes in Flint, help save other uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Newark? How about this, Hassan? Cure blindness in people who have cataracts, a 10 minute surgery for a few thousand bucks. How is it that the left can acknowledge the FBI is orchestrating these events and then completely ignore January 6th? You know, there was a tweet from the Gravel Institute, and they said that what happened on January 6th was the right thing. Shockingly, it was just the wrong people, because given the chance, these people on the left would absolutely overthrow government and impose their will. And this is the problem I have. I see people on the right. Sometimes they will just tribalistically attack the left, even when it doesn't make sense. But it, it is tends it tends to be of the left. There is a tendency among the left to reject their own evidence if, it, if it's bad for the right. To put it simply, when the right comes out and says, hey, we think there were informants and perpetrators working with government agencies on January 6th, they say, no, we hate you. Shut up and we will let the machine crush you. Then at Black Lives Matter rallies, they come out and say the same thing. FBI informants were, were orchestrating and making things worse. And you know what the right says? The right to their own detriment says you're probably right. And you know, you know what? You know the problem? Because if you if you give your your enemies the benefit of the doubt and you excuse their bad behavior because we know FBI, the FBI does this, well, then they'll keep doing it. It's almost like handing the club to your enemy saying, well, you know, you know, you deserve it. Yeah, they're going to hit you with it. And that's what we're seeing. Now, outside of the tribalism, the tribal infighting, I know left and right will get tribal with each other. The end result of all of this, in my opinion, is just we can see it happening. We can see the corruption and the manipulation. We can see the videos showing a man wearing an earpiece, pulling people into the building. Why? Why is he pulling people in? And hold on a minute. That's the door that we previously saw opened despite being mag locked. That's right magnetic, electromagnetic seal on that door. A human being could not pull it open. Guys walk up to the door, they look up, make a motion, and then someone presses the button and opens the door. I don't know. Maybe it's fake. Maybe these videos are manipulations. This I don't think is fake. But we don't exactly know how the door got opened. We do know in several instances, the police are on camera opening the door and fanning people in. And now we have more video footage. So maybe this is why they don't want anyone to see it, because they're evil. Because Pelosi and other Democrats believe that innocent people should rot in prison so that they can remain rich and powerful. It's the double-edged sword. It is whenever it comes to positions of high power, those who are most willing to be evil tend, they tend to succeed. Not every evil person. And often there is accountability. But you got to understand, my friends, you know, a simple way to explain it is I remember watching a video from a famous YouTuber talking about clickbait thumbnails. Okay, I don't I don't use thumbnails anymore. I only ever used one for my for my for my Timcast channel, but we're changing all that now. And um, he said, look, if I don't do this, no one will watch my videos. You have no choice. If you want people to watch your video about going surfing, you've got to put a busty woman in the thumbnail and you've got to make it hyperbole. 
but this is an addiction. And it just makes everybody want to escalate things. It makes it so that narratives can run amok, conspiracy theories can run wild, and the truth gets buried in an avalanche of hyperbolic tribal grifting. It's hard to navigate because people want it. People want the righteous indignation. And you can choose to give it to them or you can choose not to. But unfortunately, the path to the top, for the most part, requires it. Not completely and not always, not for everybody. Joe Rogan titles his videos just the name of his guest, and it works out for him. And I'm not saying it's absolute. I'm not trying to be blackpilled here or anything. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people who succeed on lying, cheating, and stealing, pointing out people like Jamie Raskin, lying about me. Why? To suit his agenda, to fit his narrative. I want to know what's going on with January 6th, and I want the truth. And that's all I really want. But more and more as I see these stories, it feels like it's becoming harder to care about it. I think most people don't care about what's happening with the political system right now. It's probably one of the reasons Republicans did not do so well in the midterms, because people have basically walked away and said, just talk to me about movies and culture war stuff. I suppose there's some good in it, because politics is downstream from culture. We'll see what happens as more of this footage comes out. Next segment's coming up, probably, I don't know, maybe at four, maybe at six. I don't even know anymore. We'll see what happens. I just might crank out a bunch of videos. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Stay tuned to this channel, and we'll see you all in the next vid. I want to give a shout out to Josh Alexander. Give me some hope, man, bringing back those white pills in a black-pilled time. Josh Alexander was suspended from St. Joseph Catholic High School in Ontario, Canada, for protesting against transgender people, use of bathrooms, and for saying God created only two genders. The leadership in the school told him his continued attendance would be detrimental to the physical and mental well-being of transgender students. He tried to come back to class and got arrested for trespassing. Here's a kid who stood up for what he believed in, got arrested for it in, a non- in an act of nonviolent civil disobedience. That's a bare minimum, you know. I'm not even saying people got to go get arrested for what they believe in. Just speak on it. And uh, we've got a bunch of videos. Check this out. Here's a video of a 16-year-old kid getting arrested because he was speaking his opinion. This is the crazy thing. Speaking his opinion offended the school. They told him not to come back. He showed up. They arrested him. Trespassing. There you go. There's a lot more to this story. So let's, uh, let's take a look at the context here. We have this. Rob Primo says, Josh Alexander from Save Canada is sharing a special moment with Christine Anderson. This is Josh Alexander, 16-year-old, arrested. And we can see him here standing up. Uh, you know what, guys? This is exactly what we need. Young people standing up for what they believe in. And you know what? I'm going to hug you right now because you are actually our hope. You are the one. That is giving us Jordan Peterson was right. Jordan Peterson was completely correct. He said this several years ago that people would eventually get arrested for refusing to use pronouns. It's actually much crazier than that. Now you've got young females complaining to the school that they don't want to use a bathroom with males. And this kid got arrested because he went to them and said, here's my view on this. Apparently, the kids spoke up. Actually, I think I can uh, uh, I can play the video. You've got this tweet from Josh Alexander, official Josh underscore a on Twitter. And this is from February 6th when he got arrested. Take a look at this. A student at St. Joseph Catholic High School 
says he was suspended and later arrested for organizing school protests against biological males in girls' bathrooms. High school student Josh Alexander shares what he said happened when he spoke out uh, to his class. Check this out. Very uh, quickly, I was informed by female students that uh, male students were using the female washrooms. Um, this is all, uh, an issue that came up in the class debate, and uh, I uh, used that platform to share my opinions, as every other student had the opportunity to do. And uh, I quoted some scripture. I said that there's only two genders, and uh, apparently because there was transgender students in those classes, that was considered bullying. And uh, I even I went beyond the classroom and I took it to the office and I said, OK, this is an issue. There's female students that are uncomfortable. Something needs to be done. And I was ignored. Um, a female student did the made the same uh, complaint I did and they ignored her as well. So at that point, I decided to organize a protest outside my school. And two days before the protest, they suspended me indefinitely. And then they permanently banned me from two of my classes. Um, and uh, when I attended those classes, they suspended me again and then excluded me twice. And uh, at, at the end of the semester, on the first day of the new semester, I decided to return to school and try to uh, recover my credits and actually get an education. Um, and yeah, they arrested me. Can I just give a shout out to the bottom line sample text error in whatever this nightly news thing is? It says on the Chiron student at Catholic school suspended. Bottom line sample text. Very nice. That is unbelievable. You know, it's important for us to note that we did reach out to the school to get their side. However, they actually declined to comment on this matter. Uh, that said, we know that your lawyer says, and we mentioned the school's accusing you of bullying transgender students. Um, you know, what do you say to that? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, my issue was never with the individual student, and I made that very clear with both my on my social media in person and on my uh, media responses. Um, my issue wasn't with the individual student. I have an issue with a system that is going to uh, encourage this this form of misbehavior, and uh, I do sympathize with the confused transgender students because they've been wronged by their parents and by society and by the education system that has pushed this indoctrination on them. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm going to condone their wrongful behavior, especially when it's a violation of my female peers' privacy. Wow. Very, uh, bravo. Quick. I just want to say uh, bravo to this young man. Doing more than most people. Now, there's a lot of people who speak up, obviously. I'm sure a lot of you do every day. I'm sure a lot of you uh, share videos like this. I'm sure many of you are going to go out, go around and talk about this young man, Josh Alexander, and, uh, uh, and give him a shout out. Maybe help him out as he's being charged criminally for standing up for what he believes in. But there are too many people who don't. And it is kind of sad that we're relying on a 16-year-old. Where are the men? Where are the strong men? I'll tell you where my friends neutered, figuratively. But also, I mean, increasingly, literally. And I was thinking about this earlier with stories like this, that, you know, we've got, we've got 
you know, you've got dogs, you got cats. We've got uh, Mr. Bocas. He's a cat. It is balls chopped off. That's what we call it. You know, uh, he, he was a rescue cat. So, of course, they did that. And, uh, you know, you don't really like to be around cats that aren't fixed. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever been the dude, the, the male cats, <clears throat> they spray the female cats. You know, they have their their heats and they're really annoying to be around. Uh, dogs also have their issues. But for the most part, what we do to our pets, because we have dominion over them, is that we remove their reproductive organs or disable their ability to reproduce when we are satisfied. Now, if you've got a, a dog that is a prized animal, well, then you let it keep its reproductive organs. But for the most part, we keep pets that are little eunuchs. Yeah, we sterilize them. Neuter and spay. And I started thinking about what we're doing to our kids right now. And I'm not going to act like it's every single kid in the country, no. But we are seeing people willfully choose to spay and neuter themselves. It's a joke I made on Twitter several times. Spay and neuter your kids to prevent overpopulation. <clears throat> it reminds me of like the price is right. You know, Bob Barker would be like, and don't forget to spay and neuter your pets because there's too many of them. And that's the issue. There's too many dogs and cats running around. We've got too much food. And so they're just making more of themselves too much. And this is what we're seeing now. In order to facilitate this societal decay, we accommodate people who would infringe upon the uh, rights of others. See, I'm not, I'm not okay with that, right? My attitude is kind of like, maybe if you uh, want to change the social structure, you need the consent of those in that system. I'll give you a point. There's that famous surfer came out right now. She, she got, lost her arm to a shark attack. I forget her name. I'm not a surfer, so I apologize. But she came out and said, did, when they changed the rules and said that biological males can now compete against females— did they ask any of the females? No, they did not. They simply just came out and said, this is the way it is now. Too bad. There is a simple thing y'all can do to change it. Just stop participating in it. And that's what we're seeing from many of these athletes, these female athletes. Create your own league. Create your own division. Create the female division, not the women's. Let them have the word or don't. You can, you can reject this. The issue that we're seeing is that profound changes are being made to society without the consent of the governed. And you cannot do that. If young females do not want to be in the same space as males when they're, you know, taking care of business, and that is the way the system has always been, then the expectation, in my view, is if you want to change it, you need their consent. Okay? You can protest, you can apply pressure. But that just means that there will be an enforcement of the rules because you can't infringe upon other people's rights like this. Now, don't get me wrong. There are interesting questions about civil rights. We have gender segregation, but we got rid of racial segregation. Yeah, I think there's a line. Maybe there will come a time in 100 years and they look back at a video like this and they say, man, that guy had backwards thinking because we changed our minds. But hey, my point is this. If you get the consent of the governed, so be it. Back during the civil rights movement, you had racial segregation and you had white and black people who would defy that in an effort to change those rules, to protest nonviolent civil disobedience was the method. Not, not all of it was nonviolent, don't get me wrong, but most of it was. Now, ultimately, you end up with people being like, hey, you know, I don't want to be in the same bathroom as this kind of person, but hold on there a minute. You know, listen, you've got a white woman and a black woman. Yeah, that's not the same as men and women. 
biological inherent differences across all cultures around the world. When it comes to issues of race, you know, there, there, there are obviously genetic differences between people who have shared common an- ancestries. So you go to Asia, I mentioned this, people were, I, I went there and I noticed everybody was a little bit shorter than me. I went to Sweden, everybody was taller than me, way taller than me. Yeah, those things are obvious. But you can't just be like all Asian people, all white people, because it doesn't describe anything. You can say white people, we get it, fair complexion, tends to have like lighter colored hair or whatever. But a Swedish person and like an Irish person, like, dude, people in Scandinavia are tall. And then you can go to like, you know, short British people or whatever. It's not the exact same thing. So racial segregation makes literally no sense. Gender segregation, sex-based segregation. Now there's an argument. A female does not want a dude with more muscle mass, more bone density, etc., and different reproductive organs. There's privacy issues. Now, if you want to change that, okay, pass the law, get the consent of the people involved. This is not that. This is the opposite of this. This is the people saying, you never asked us, and the girls are uncomfortable. And then they say, you're under arrest. I'm not all about that. So shout out to this kid, man. Bravo. This kid's doing the right thing. I'll leave it there. We need more people to stand up for what they believe in in a nonviolent, civil disobedient manner, because that's what they did. And and that's how they won in the civil rights movement. When people want to impose their will on you, you stand like a tree and you say no. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 